Well, we know what it's like to feel worried and helpless about the state of our world. But we're finding comfort and inspiration from people tackling winner-take-all economics and other root causes of climate change, inequity, and global unrest. Join us on the road from wasteland to wonderland. This is part of gold. Please keep in mind that these recordings may not be as high quality as they usually are because we're doing them in a time of social distancing. Is changing our diet the key to healing our planet? For Krishna McKenzie, our connection with nature is all about food. Krishna runs a farm in Oroville, an experimental township in India. Oroville was founded by Mira Alfasa, a French woman who the residents of Oroville simply call mother. Let's listen in as Krishna describes his mission. So, uh, thank you for inviting me here. I'm Krishna McKenzie. I'm from England and I've been living the last 27 years in the international township of Oroville, which is next to Pondicherry in, Tamil, uh, in South India. Just, we're on the border of, Tamil, of Pondicherry, Tamil Nadu. I've come here, as I say, 27 years ago and I started um, farming straight away, inspired by Masanobu Fukuoka, who is, I consider to be my, my sort of guru, if you like. And um, he, he's really, he was really exploring a non-interventional farming, farming, a farming that negates all the industrialization that has burdened our, our world and has eroded our um, nutritional, cultural identity and, you know, our ecology and has contributed massively to global warming, etc. So I started uh, Solitude Farm in January 96 and since then I've been walking this road back to nature, if you like, exploring how to value local, local foods. I would say that's really the crux of it. So we've been doing that through a lot of education. And yeah, that's all, that's all that's going on here. Could you describe the community a little bit? So Oroville, yeah, Oroville is, uh, is uh, 50, 50 plus years now uh, old. And it's a very diverse community. It's, you know, it's, it's international as, as it gets. And we're about, uh, I think, must be near to 3,000 residents. And then there's a lot of guests, a lot of people coming to just be tourists or volunteers or, the, um, or visiting friends or family. And then we have another community, which, is, which comprises of the villagers around Oroville. So a lot of those villagers are working in Oroville, helping with um, you know, all sorts of jobs from menial work like and on helping in kitchens and gardens and or to, I don't know, maybe accounting and uh, working in software and all sorts of things like that. The intention of Oroville is very, very beautiful. You know, it's that of, of human unity and people living together. And of course, we're just all people like anyone else. So you've got all the normal problems that you face here, uh, that you face anywhere else. Um, all sorts of different difficulties that people face, but there is a space in Oroville. There is the the charter that the mother the mother um, had written that Oroville belongs to nobody in particular, 
but to humanity as a whole and it's a place of non-ending education and i recognize in that charter an intention that uh, that really has a weight and uh, and you feel like that in orville there's so many different things going on from natural dying of of you know of clothes dying and um, healing and uh, compressed mud bricks and alternative architecture and permaculture and all sorts of interesting things going on uh, that you see those things are possible because we have this this sort of there's a lot of freedom here I mean that's also to do with it being in India but there is a lot of freedom to explore it's, it's see changing people's food habits changing people's conditioning because we the, the problem starts from small age where we're conditioned to become the best in the class and to get the highest points and and you know to get the the ipad and the holiday in in, in the wherever you were thailand and the new pair of nike that that individual success which is very related to monetary gain is where it sort of all starts and that that divorces us from more simple values like to know that this particular leaf is good to eat and for this other root calms your stomach and you know that sort of that relationship with mother nature is not valued so i think that changing these changing people's values takes takes a lot of time but it's uh, definitely this has been very helpful in the in the last couple of years there's been a lot of interest within oroville as well in exploring the fact that hang on local foods they grow easily they grow with less water they grow you know you don't need any expertise to grow them they have no carbon footprint they have a higher medicinal nutritional value and you know that's they're cheaper there's there's definitely an economic value in that and yet we're buying olive oil and pasta and god knows what else and wheat that doesn't grow here and it comes from very far away and has thus a, a very high ecological impact not to mention uh, the, the detriment to our health which is which is synonymous with the health of the planet so really the work that we're doing is trying to trying to make people wake up to the fact that there is another option and that option can only be understood when we start to explore our relationship with mother nature which is very much reflected in an understanding of where our food comes from how many farms are in orville or can orville basically and you just said some some food is coming in some food is imported no there are there are i don't know how many farms are exactly it must be i don't know 15 16 farms or something um, Oroville grows actually less than I think it's ten to f ten or fifteen percent than its food of its food, and I would say the reason for that is 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 all what I've just mentioned. We're heavily conditioned to eat certain foods. Uh, if you look at this land, the people of this land traditionally they ate yams, they ate plantain, they ate banana stem, banana flowers, loads of types of spinach, ladies' fingers, cluster beans, various dals, oil seeds, and a lot of millets. And nowadays, people eat potatoes, carrots, you know, as I say, beetroot and 
broccoli and cabbage and cauliflower and white rice and, and olive oil and pasta and wheat. And none of these things grow here. This is the problem that we are facing. So that's, I would say, why that we don't grow enough of our own food is that actually people are very conditioned to eat other foods. That's why they're the focus of this as a focus is not, uh, it, there's not enough of an intention, I think, collectively. And I wouldn't single Oroville out at all by any means. I think it's global. You know, it's everyone is, we're all in the same boat. There's not an intention to make an understanding of where our food comes from and eating local food as an is absolute priority for social change in the world. Do you think it's also kind of the, um, the corporations that are driven to sell the food uh, for profit? No, but the corporations aren't separate from us. You know, we are the world, as Jay Krishnamurti said, you know. It's all a reflection of our, of our, of our conditioning, of our, of our uh, you know, definitely. It's all to do with, it's the whole system of, of, as I say, from the beginning, you're conditioned to be better than the next person. It's looking at individual well-being rather than collective well-being. It's looking at my well-being rather than a community. And it's and again, it's how we it's this sort of Descartian sort of uh, paradigm where we 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 sort of separate everything into little boxes. But actually, the foundation of all well-being lies in the soil. I know your your podcast you know focuses a lot on on also on economy and alternative economies and stuff. Well, the real foundation of all wealth is our soil on this planet. Because from a healthy soil come healthy plants, come healthy people, comes a healthy society with the potential of a sort of an inner inquiry. So that means some sort of wisdom. <laughs> and uh, we, we don't have that as our intention. Our intention is always what can we get more for ourselves on an individual level. And there's, uh, there, lies our, there lies our problem. Now I'm working, uh, as I mentioned to you before, I'm working with uh, this lady, Nina Sengupta. And this morning I was doing a YouTube video with her and I constantly learn new things with her because our farm is really dedicated to natural farming. So it's basically a food forest. We have over 150 different edible plants growing throughout the year from sesame to three meter high Assamese giant okra to papayas and uh, wild sarsaparilla. So many, so many, so many plants are there. And she's showing me all these wild edible weeds and saying, oh, did you try the wild passion fruit leaf? And did, have you tried this um, Brazilian joy weed, which is a, a, a relative of the amaranth family? Amaranthus, and then she's showing this this leaf and that leaf and this one and that, and I'm like, wow! And now we've started to collect all these weeds, and we start to give them as a wild weed, a wild spinach kit, and a wild leaf uh, salad kit in our CSA basket service, which is um, which is really inspiring. And the people are, are telling me, wow, we made a, a, a spinach dish with those spinaches. What were they? They were so amazing. And people are waking up to the value of local weeds. And it's, it sounds like nothing because uh, in our mind, we'll think weeds is nothing. But when you start to see, but hang on, they're growing in so prolific way, you know, they're abundant and they're tasty and they're high in nutrition 
why aren't they part of our lives? Well, they're not part of our lives because we're more focused on, on, on getting a bachelor's or master's degree in business administration and, and buying a new car than we are on understanding our cultural nutritional heritage. So this is really, this is really the, for me at the moment, it's the ultimate what I'm working on. Since the lockdown, I'm doing um, the basket service actually went from about 21 subscribers to like 54 subscribers. And they, this, this appreciation of these local foods increased enormously. And along with that, the, I've been running a, a people's food movement since 2014 and it, it was a bit dormant for a couple of years and with the lockdown it really picked up now we have 20 communities in Oroville engaged with us on various levels in starting their own gardens and I'm often going to these gardens and helping people start so we're doing you know regular stuff like lines of radish and lines of you know some amaranth and and corn etc but we're also going in there and planting these wild spinaches and showing people the value of of having these spinaches in their gardens and i think that that's uh, it sounds very naive but it's uh, it's of the utmost significance in my eyes sounds fantastic krishna i love the idea of having wild spinach in my garden <laughs> Um, you, you actually pointed out uh, quite, quite rightly that we are very interested in the economy, but it is, as you said, the respect to earth, right, where it all starts. And that is so much connected to, well, not connected to our current prevailing um, monetary system. Um, but maybe you could talk a little bit now about Orville and the kind of special position Orville has within... When, when it comes to money, like you, uh, I think Orwell is still running on basic income, isn't it? I would say there are very sincere efforts to explore economy on a different level. Um, yeah, there's a very basic income going on here. And there's, um, there's a central fund which tries to meet people involved in more service-orientated uh, sectors like education and health and farming. Right. to help provide their, more of their basic needs. Yeah. But mm -hmm. um, the mother, she, she said, you know, that uh, Oroville should be run without money. But it's, it's very, very, very complicated. It's very, it's very difficult. You want to change the roof of your house and the, the government has a new tax and this and that. And it costs so much money. You, people are constantly trying to find out how to get money in Oroville. And people are even going out of, of the country to work and come back. So, I mean, not everyone, but some people, they find that necessary to do. There's, there's, there's definitely a, a need and, and an intense focus on trying to earn money. And um, I think that, I think that this, that the shift can happen when we start to, to really focus on growing food and exploring our most basic needs, which is, which is food and water and accommodation and exploring them on a collective level and addressing them on a collective level. That means more communal kitchens, more communal um, work, working together on this subject 
into, and you won't, this subject won't pick up until it's integrated into our education system. But that doesn't mean a class on eight, from eight to 10 o'clock on a Wednesday morning. It means that the, that there is sort of like a, a, the kids are involved in growing food and involved in harvesting and involved in cooking more or less on a daily level. So that this, this becomes our key value. I, otherwise, I don't see how we get out of that trap because it's a, it's a, it's an, it's a, it's a spiral that, that doesn't seem to end the need to get money. And I wonder how, if for our listeners, maybe who are living in a city like New York or London, how would they become more conscious and begin to make this connection uh, to nature that, that you're talking about? So I, I, I do... I do a lot, a lot of um, groups, a lot of groups, and this question often comes up, and and I say it, you know, not with any arrogance or, or you know, not with tongue in cheek, but maybe leave the city by next year. The statistic is there's no groundwater in 21 major metropolises in India, and yet people are still buying cars head over heels and new flat screen TVs and iPods and iPhones and this and that and this and that. This, this has to stop. It, we can't keep, keep consuming. I mean, even any economist will, will be able to tell us that. You know, there's a limit to, the, there's a cookie jar and you have one cookie, two cookies. You have the 15th cookie. There's one left. You have that. There's no cookies left. There's no water left. There's no air to breathe. There's no food. Food is very scarce. And the quality of food has, is so bad now. You go in Pondicherry in the very, very old traditional market and you go and you ask the old guy and they're selling some, some grains and stuff, where does that corn come from? He tells me, Argentina. I said, where does that dal come from? Oh, that comes from Burma. <laughs> you know, where does this dal come from? That comes from Africa. And you think, shit, man. 25 years ago, when I was, you know, 27 years ago, when I first came to Pondicherry, sitting in these little restaurants, you'd have a little local lunch for 10, 20 rupees, which is like nothing. And the food in every single restaurant tasted great because still most of that food was produced locally. Now this food is coming from so far away. You feel you're, you're really pushed to pay a head over heels amount of money and have a good meal. So you think, what's the value in all of that, you know? The, people think that I'm sort of preaching going back to caveman times. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that unless we honor this planet and this earth, which is the soil, which is the life in the soil, the millions of microorganisms, the molds, the bacteria, the insects, earthworms, the small animals, the mycelium, until we honor that very soil, which is the fertility of our planet, which is reflects thus in a healthy society and a culture and even a spirituality, until we value that, the rest is just very ephemeral. It's meaningless. We are just running around like blind men. Because we, we will only come to more and more and more problems. Th that's just so sure and so clear and so obvious. You don't need uh, to have any degree to ex understand that. So 
I don't know about the cities, you know, I, but they, of course there are millions in the city. It's, it's easy to sit here in my little paradise and say, leave the city. But uh, I don't know the answer for that. Maybe start at least start growing some mint on your mantle on your, you know, window out in the kitchen or some pot plants and start to try and find the local farmers who are delivering local foods to the cities. Start. You ha we have to find a reconnection with nature and that reconnection with nature is our relationship with nature which is reflected in a knowing of where our food comes from so whatever steps we do on that way i think are gonna help humanity is there anything else uh, melting your side if there's or? just any thought you would like to leave the listeners um you know summarize or something you might have missed over or always wanted to say um, watch my YouTube channel, Krishna McKenzie on YouTube. There's a lot of beautiful videos there that I'd love to share with you. Beautiful. Wonderful. Krishna, thank you so much. It's been fantastic to talk to you. Uh, thank you so Thanks. much for your time. And I yeah. hope we'll see you next time when we come to Oroville. I hope lovely. you will be there. <laughs> and we'll definitely visit. You have a lovely day. You take care. Lots of love. Bye-bye. So, Krishna McKenzie. <laughs> <laughs> what an exuberant guy. I, I really I really appreciate how he could take a pea pod and make it seem like, you know, a golden, <laughs> a golden key to the universe. I really love how he speaks about food and agriculture and farming and, you know, the connection of nature and people. He just makes you want to live with him. Like, <laughs> go to mm. Orville. Yeah. I remember the first time when I was in Orville, and I remember I, did, I actually had no idea that they were they were doing. I knew that they had done permaculture. Um, and when you see photos of Orville, which basically when they were given the land, I think it was sixty one or sixty two. Um, so early sixties for sure. The, that land looked like a desert, and there these photos, you know, where there's this in famished cow <laughs> on and you can see a horizon uh, on red earth and you come to Orville today and it's a forest uh, kind of a jungle like forest with uh, lots of diversity and diff you know it, amazing different kinds of uh, zones they have uh, created and in those zones there is the, uh, the farming land and again, I didn't know about Krishna's farm. Uh, it's called Solitude Farm. But then I realized the quality of food. And it was absolutely amazing. I had a yogurt with a real fat eye. I don't know if you like it, but I, I was amazed that I'd seen a fat eye on a yogurt. I haven't seen that since my... What's a fat eye it's, on a It's yogurt? a little bit of a fat swimming on top of the yogurt. And I hadn't had that since my childhood, you know. It, I think it has disappeared in our Western produ yeah, dairy production. out in the factory, the yogurt factories. <laughs> and, but, you know, it is interesting when you speak about quality of food. I, and as someone who's, who's generally n not that conscious about food, I love tasty food, but I'm not haven't in my life been particularly conscious about its quality. When you speak about quality... Until the pandemic, when I started to shop only at the local farmer's market, which is what he recommends we do as city folks, shop at your local farmer's market. 
And the experience of tasting food that is locally grown, organically grown, um, and and indigenous to the area where you live is a remarkable shift in the experience of food. I feel healthier, feel happier, I feel more connected, and I had no idea that was possible. Not not a single shred of of awareness about the difference food can make. And yes, it was more expensive. I would say probably 20% more expensive than the local grocery store to buy local food. But that was 20% so, so worth it. Okay, let's. I mean, we didn't talk to Krishna about costs of food very much, right? But I think this is some something we could um, cover here a little bit because, yes, t- organic food in the United States is, I'd say, t- ten to twenty percent more expensive. But is it really more expensive? And that's the question I would like to ask, or let's say, the devil's advocate <laughs> a bit here. In my opinion, it's not. It is actually the food, the cheap food is, even though it's cheap, it is way more expensive to us as a society, but also on an individual level, because it's not the food which makes you nor happy nor nutritious you in the right way. There is way too much sugar in the cheap food. It's way too processed. And it's in the end not paying off. Mm-hmm. But those are hidden costs. And those this are is, hidden co- yes, This agreed. is one of the things that I think we're grappling with the most is we don't see those costs until it's too late. And I, I think one of the people like Krishna and others we've interviewed are bringing to light those costs so that we can see them before, you know, being impacted by them. You know, so maybe we are spending 20% more on our fresh, locally grown, organic, pesticide-free products but in the long run we'll live longer we'll live happier we'll pass on better genes to our kids um you know it's just in the end much much healthier i don't agree that we can all leave the city (laughs) yeah i don't (laughs) in fact quite the opposite i think we are much more sustainable when we live in cities but we need to make those cities greener greener and how do we produce good food within the city or at least locally um so the inhabitants of bigger cities like new york like tokyo um and all the world cities really and lots of cities where we don't even know the names of with millions of inhabitants uh, globally how how to cover you know good sustainable food production that is a real issue and currently under this monetary system, not really possible. Then we end up by having to buy the oil of oil and the food from, you know, some other continent. Yeah, we need, we need strong local economies and that will support strong, healthy local communities. We're an independent, listener-supported podcast. Thanks to our producer, Riley Paul. Support us by rating this episode and sharing with all your friends. And to learn more... Join us at potofgold.world. I'm Stephanie Overbach. And I'm Mel Wymore. Thanks, Thanks for, for listening. listening.